there lovely, it is Kim Valentine here or Libby Kennedy from Neighbours. Hey, this is Emily Milburn, Caitlin Atkins from Neighbours. Hi, this is Candice Lease, Wendy Rodwell on Neighbours and you are listening to the award-winning The Best Podcast in the Entire World for the Neighbourhood Rewatch. So welcome to the Neighbourhood Rewatch Podcast, award-winning comedy podcast that's sometimes about Neighbours. Uh, in fact, it might be a lot about Neighbours today, because we have watched six whole episodes of Neighbours. Fuck me. Oh, it's too many. I know, I know, I know what you're, you, you're thinking, dear, uh, dear listener. You're like, oh, wait a minute, you guys only watch five, because that's the sensible amount, sensible amount of uh, episodes to watch. But it'll all become apparent why we've watched six. There was no way you could watch five and leave that last one. Uh, but as Adam likes to say, we'll get to that. Okay, now. Um, uh, also, Adam likes to say hello. All right. <laughs> and, and Tim likes to say all right. Hello. <laughs> Tim's here again, everyone. We told you he'd be back. And you, you say it's all going to be about neighbours. It's going to be about Tim's fucking Valentine's Day for the first 20 minutes. So strap <laughs> yourselves in, knobheads. <laughs> <laughs> of course, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you would have heard us slag off Tim for about 20 minutes on the Patreon this week. <laughs> well, Tim didn't uh, hear it then. So Tim did hear it because he's our Patreon subscriber. Nope. Um, of course, you can subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash neighborhood rewatch for just one pound a month. A fucking bargain. You get a bonus episode every week and early access to this main podcast right now. Can I be honest as well? I think the Patreons are getting better and better as well. Each week, I am very pleased with the Patreons. It's definitely worth a quid. Yeah. Worth uh, than that. There, there are cunts charging loads Nah. Yeah. Bring an endorsement there. So if you weren't convinced before, you, you must be now. Um, so, like I said, this is a Neighbours podcast. We've rewatched episodes 4086, 291 on Daily Motion. UK Neighbours fans forever. Uh, we've not watched them on Amazon Freeview yet because they're not on there. And of course, we're still not. I have emailed the head of Amazon Freeview and he hasn't got back to me yet. Uh, to take up our kind offer of being the official accompanying podcast for the Neighbours 2012 episodes that have been released on February the 23rd, I think. Um, so just watch them on Daily Motion until we tell you otherwise. Um, of course, we can tell you of these on socials at Watch Neighbour on all of them, apart from Facebook, where we've got our own page, the Neighbourhood Rewatch podcast. There we go. Right, that's all the stuff out of the way. Uh, Tim, do we want to... Rit- uh, Tim? Do you want to tell us about your Valentine's Day before we get to the neighbours? Not a lot to tell, really. I, if they, this well, that is... sounds good for Grace straight away. Not a lot to tell. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. How romantic. <laughs> oh, come on. You better have a lot to tell, seeing as though you left us and all our dear <laughs> listeners in the lurch. This was the first time that I've heard Jay ad-lib the intro and not stumble, and he used the word comedy. It's the first time he's referred to us in, what, 98, 97 episodes? No, 98. 98. This is the first time I've heard him say comedy podcast. Like, my Valentine's Day was really nice. To be honest, he's been saying that every time you're not on, and I think he's slipped (laughs) this time and not realised you're back on this week. So (laughs) maybe retract. (laughs) Sorry, Tim, Valentine's Day. Roses, Thai food, rom-com. That's it. Oh, God. What was the rom-com? 
It's the new one that's on Netflix. Um, is it My Place or Yours with Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher? Oh, God. Fine. Oh. Don't mind a rom-com. Neither do I, but you fucking hell, you cliche bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be done. What Thai food did you have? <laughs> the, the, the usual green curry? The usual. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Not something different. You didn't get a whispering tiger. That's what I got on the podcast with this guy. Um, <laughs> just, oh, Tim. <laughs> I don't buy her roses every day. They're fucking expensive, those things. See, what you need to do is buy her roses every other day because they're not expensive now. True. <laughs> Does she even like roses? She seems to respond well to these, yeah. I'm sure she was just putting on a front. I mean, <laughs> she's had the usual Thai food she always has. A shit film off Netflix <laughs> and some flowers from the petrol station. <laughs> that were bought at about quarter to five. After ever. you'd been off playing FIFA all day, this was it. <laughs> I bet she thought you were going to put on an elaborate treasure hunt or something. <laughs> I did. I rearranged the living room. so that She was I... probably annoyed about that. You know how she is. <laughs> No, we had we had like a, a cinema set up with a yeah it was take fun. her to the fucking cinema. <laughs> Not <laughs> fucking Valentine's Day. It'll be surrounded by people jizzing all over each other. That's what married life's about now. It's just people <laughs> jizzing everywhere. Question: Because we were discussing this, this was a uh, one of J.K.'s tips, his top five tips for a successful Valentine's Day, which he hit us with. You might need to listen to it for next year. Um, one of them was the the food. He said it was it was better to get like for, eat food in. He did say cook it yourself, not get a fucking takeaway, dickhead. Um, but he said whatever you do, don't go to a restaurant because that's fucking shit. And waitresses come on to your missus and things like that. Um, I don't know where he got that from. Um, <laughs> but he, he he was clear about the food and the shagging. That happens on a Valentine's Day. We we came to the conclusion, Tim, that this this was one of your passes for the year when you might actually get some. So, did you? What did you say? You said do what was it that you should do first? I said food first. No, shagging first. Shagging first, then you take. Why? Because you don't want to eat too much food and get too full, and then have to have that swishing around your stomach while you're flailing around. <laughs> so you get the shagging out of the way first build up an appetite yeah and that portion of like because that's always the portion of the night like oh it's the one you're least enthusiastic about the food or the shagging the shagging uh i'll leave one half is anyway uh and like, <laughs> oh, just like get it done and like yeah once you've had food it's it's just even worse so get it Game done over. get it out of the way and then you can enjoy your valentine's day <laughs> I've got an alternative suggestion. You might need a bit of energy. The night's getting on a bit. Eat first. Digest during rom-com. Then it's all, it's just power banging. Oh, I feel like Tim's got everything fucking backwards here. <laughs> Did you nail about three Lucas energies during this film as well? <laughs> I got three beers. 
<laughs> oh god that's full-on drunk tim just pouring at you i imagine it was like a fucking apple bobbing at fucking halloween this scenario <laughs> what the fuck oh, oh, i think would have been gassy as fuck as well with thai food <laughs> oh, god. crack that fucking window open jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're glad you had a good Valentine's Day. You had a good time, Tim. That's all that matters. <laughs> That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Uh, should we talk about neighbours now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so first storyline I want to talk about is the amnesia storyline. Um, and we have got a new jingle for this, Tim. Uh, we're about to play it right now. Great. What did you think of that, Tim? Did you enjoy it? Sexy. Sexy. So sexy. Sexy, you say? Yeah. Okay, what would you what would you describe it as, Adam? Fucking mental. <laughs> oh, what a jingle that is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you I'm glad you both enjoyed it. Uh, I know you enjoyed my jingle work. Uh so there's a doctor's ball, of course. There's always a fucking ball going on in Erinsborough. And this time it's the doctor's turn to have a ball because they deserve it. They're saving lives every fucking day. So they deserve a ball. Um, but Carl doesn't ask Susan to it because Susan was pretty cold to him last week. So he's not really going to ask her. Uh, but Susan's a bit jealous about this. Uh, he sees She sees Carl in the pub with the blonde, blonde woman. And he's like, fucking hell, he's moved on. I know we're getting divorced, but... He's got a fucking blonde blonde woman on the go here. Oh, shit. You know what and they're then, like? Fucking hell. Yeah. Uh, and Susan's very, very jealous about this. Uh, I think she tells Lynn about this. Uh, yeah. And Lynn's like, well, you are fucking getting divorced, so what do you expect? Yeah, because in the very last five episodes that we watched, she was made it very clear that she does not love Carl anymore. She did once, but she doesn't fucking love him anymore. So she's made a bed at this stage. Exactly. Um, but it turns out this blonde woman was just a potential client. She uh, was a pharmaceutical rep and she was trying to flog him some pills. Yeah, exactly. So Carl eventually does ask Susan and Susan is very excited to go to the ball. Uh, she loves she loves a party, does all Susan. Uh, and she's just like, oh, fuck, I've got nothing to wear. I know, I'm going to go see Lynn, see if she's got any wild shit I can wear. Of all the people in the fucking neighbourhood, she went to Lynn Scully, who owns more fucking leopard print than you do. <laughs> Lynn does have the most garish stuff. Uh, so they find a dress for, for Susan with, I don't know what you would describe on the front of this dress. Uh, a big orange bow. A big orange bow. Uh, it takes... That's a good description. Because that's, that's what it was. <laughs> Uh, but it takes up the whole dress uh, and Susan's like yeah this is quite nice this but uh, she's trying to she's dancing around the words that you know it's fucking horrendous at the front uh, Dee comes in to save the day because uh, Dee of course has been woken up because she got swatting in the face with the tennis ball not yet she hasn't been hit in the face yet has she not been in the face yet not at this stage oh uh, I thought she'd been hit by that stage no uh, this at this stage the, the the they're outside playing cricket some some guys teaching um, Boyd out to play cricket 
Um, we won't talk about him, though. He's only been in the show for a month. We've not mentioned this new character, who's obviously like quite a big deal. Um, he, that's the running joke now, Tim, as well. Um, so, <laughs> boy's learning how to play cricket in the garden. He hits it. It's the uh, garage door of D's house, which wakes D up. Ah, yeah, yeah. We Wait find out up. at this stage that it's 6am. I'm not sure why everyone's playing fucking cricket at 6am. D has just got in from work. She's done a night shift as a nurse, and she needs her beauty sleep for the ball that evening. So she is not happy about being woken up, but she can't get back to sleep again. So she rocks up round Lynn's house for some paracetamols because she's now got a headache. Um, And while she's there, she sees the garish dress that Lynn has given Susan and she bails Susan out a little bit and she says, oh, I've got some shoes that would go with that. And they both head round to Dee's house to fix the fucking dress, try some shoes on. Um... And then, unfortunately, on the way out, someone hits a cricket ball in her face. Um, Susan ducks it, which is quite funny. Dee takes it right in the face. Yeah, she takes it really, really well. Uh, I don't know. What I don't know if this is a precursor because the actress in real life around about this time has a really horrific car accident. And they have to try and explain why she's got scars on her face all of a sudden. I don't know if this is what they do to to explain that away. It's just go, yeah, she got hit in the face with a cricket ball. Well, she doesn't have any scars or anything when it happens, okay. and she just she just puts like a a plaster over her nose. She just that's all she's got. Don't know. She, uh, again, the actress. I don't know. Ma- Madeline Madeline West. Madeline West. Yeah, she does have like a really horrific car crash around about this time. And they have to try and explain away why she's got scars on her face. So I didn't know if it was this or not. Uh, she takes it like a fucking champ, though. Um, full on in the face. Uh, and they do that kind of comedy where, like, they've got, like, you can't see your face. And she's got, like, a tea towel on there and ice and whatever. And then, like, they do the reveal and everybody else was like, oh, she's horrible. Uh, <laughs> reaction. You don't see the face. Uh, yeah. And she has got all the tape and everything on there. But then you do see it later and she's just got a little plaster on her nose. She looks fine. She looks fine. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll get to that later on anyway. Get to that team, fuck me. Uh, so, well, you know, because at this point they do get to the ball, so they do the alteration. Susan's got a lovely dress uh, and they go to the ball and they have a great time. Susan has a ball at the ball and they're having a nice little dance. They have a good old dance up, don't they? They have a good old dance up and they're about to kiss because they're, they're tuck up in the moment. I, I imagine there's like, I've had the time of my life playing in the background or whatever. Uh, you know, wedding songs that you'd know. That's Winners. Yeah, just c- crowd pleasers that get people up. Everyone, maybe a tear in the eye. Everyone just wants to get involved. Yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, there's probably thousands. <laughs> um, and they're about to have a kiss. And then Tony's like, so Tony just heckles them. I can't remember what he says, uh, but he just heckles them. Guns. <laughs> play, play a song we know. Hey, <laughs> uh, and it's and it takes them out of the moment, and they they stop. They stop moments away from having a kiss. Uh, so things are getting romantic again. Are they actually going to get divorced? I don't know. You'll have to stay tuned to find out, and in the in the next next week's episodes. Uh, where we will be watching five again, I imagine. Uh, so, speaking of the ball, so Dee's stressed, obviously, because she wants to go to this ball and she's got big 
tits. Chunk, chunk missing out of her face. And uh, she's like, oh, I'm going to look stupid with all this fucking tape on and my black eyes and everything. Uh, Toadie's not very... Uh, he just kind of takes the piss at first. It's like, I oh, look a fucking mess here. And no, he doesn't. <laughs> he's no, not he doesn't. To, he's not very sympathetic to these cars. But he then, basically just says, you're still really hot. You look fine. Don't worry. No, I took that as him not being sympathetic. You would. <laughs> Uh, but then he does have a little think about it and goes, ah, maybe I need to make an effort here. So he shows up in the same stuff. He's got the tape and better fake black eye on as well. And then he look the same and go, yeah, we're dressed the same. And he's like, ah, oh, aren't you fucking great? Yeah, got it. Yeah, that's a nice Says one. the guy who's just told us it's Valentine's Day. Wow. You asked. I did. <laughs> People in Glasgow, how's his Timothy? I can see you dressing like Grace and having the same fucking haircut, so I would <laughs> told you a little bit of romance. <laughs> so there is one other person going to this doctor's ball as well, because he is a doctor. He is, of course, the ego. Whoa, that was great. That was a great jingle. Yeah, That's too loud, <laughs> too loud, <laughs> too loud for Tim. Uh, he's got very sensitive ears. Uh, so Dallas, he's really not enjoying the prospect of going to this ball at all. He's the laughing stock of the doctor community right now because it has been made aware in the paper that he was shagging patients, and all the other doctors are making fun of him. Uh, but Carl's like, listen, mate, you're gonna have to fucking tough this out if you still want to be a doctor. You're just gonna have to fucking ride it out. He's like, listen, I was shagging the secretary for a while. Rid it out, fine now. Not a problem. Rid it out. Um, but that doesn't quite convince him. It doesn't give him the pep talk that he needs. He needs someone to really give it him to him fucking straight. And there is only one character in this show who gives it to you absolutely fucking straight. And that is, of course, Summer Hoyland. I feel like I should give Summer some music as well at this hit point. The, hit the music. <laughs> hit the music again. She can take dances at this point. She can take dances. Uh so she gives him a fucking talking to. Uh, I'm pretty sure at one point she slaps him around the face and says, listen, you need to fucking man up here. Get through this. Get through the ball. And if you're going to go to the ball, you might as well take me as well, because I wouldn't mind a bit. And Darcy's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> this took a turn. This <laughs> took a, a reverse pedo in turn out of nowhere. <laughs> it took a very sinister pedo in turn. It was fucking brilliant, though. And it was. He... Oh, Mark Rafferty is so good in this. Yeah, both. Uh, and Marissa as well, who plays Summer, both fantastic in this fucking scene. Uh, if you haven't seen it, please go. Please go find it out. It's fucking fantastic. Uh, so she's like, yeah, you can take me to the dance because I quite fancy a bit of you. Uh, I'm getting nowhere with Drew. I've tried to pedo in for fucking weeks now and I'm getting nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm turning my attentions to you. And she, she like, basically hits him with like her key skills. She says, like, I'm a fucking phenomenal dancer. Um, I don't drink much because I'm 10. Like, I don't, like, I'm pretty cheap date. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, and I'll definitely put out at the end of it. So she's like, she fucking lines it up proper good for him here. And Mark Graffiti is cracking up. It's almost as if she hasn't told him all these things she's going to say. And he's just like, he's, oh, really? This is what we're doing? <laughs> but he re- he recovers fantastically because he takes a couple of se- he's trying to take all this in he yeah. takes a couple of seconds composes himself and goes 
Ask me again in 15 years. Give us a little <laughs> yes. walk up. Oh, he's so good. Ask me again in 15 years. <laughs> he's like, yeah, just put a pin in that one. But then I liked it after as well, because like she's done this in the middle of the coffee shop where she's come for like a, a milkshake with Boyd or something. Boyd goes, I thought you liked Drew. What are you trying it on with Darcy Tyler, the doctor for? <laughs> and then she's like, well, you've got to have a plan B. <laughs> wow. Really good. Yeah. Summer Highland, the ego really has landed with that girl. Um, yeah, so they go to the ball. Um, and he's getting he's getting tormented by the head of the board who who handed down this uh this punishment to him. And she's been a bit of a dick to him, to be honest. Quite unnecessary, quite unprofessional. Uh but don't worry, there's a raffle going on at this ball because it ain't a ball without a raffle. And Darcy's obviously put in. He's put a fiver in, I imagine. It, it's, you know, it's a quid for one, but get the strip for five. You're like, fuck it, I might as well get the strip. I've got more chance of winning. And he did have more chance of winning because he won. Uh, and he's won a special holiday for two. I really liked this because you'd usually say where the holiday is to or how long for, but they just say... You've won a holiday for two to a tropical island. That's <laughs> all they say. So lazy. Couldn't be specific. It's just a tropical island and it's for two people. And then he gets up on stage to uh, to accept it. And then all the other doctors get banded together. I'm like, ah, you're going to take one of your patients, dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can take and that then They start going... Darcy, Darcy, Honestly, for no reason. It is the most school schoolboy thing you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, uh, this is a bunch of trained medical professionals. I also um, don't really. I don't see the problem with. I mean, you can do worse things than shagging your patients as long as they're not ten years old. Tim, um, Tim's views are his own. <laughs> and not the rest of the neighbourhood rewatch. As long as it's all consensual, what's the problem? No ethics. This is the problem. No like, ethics like, whatsoever. Like, and get Grace on, please, because she would be mortified if she heard this. I think. Like this is the thing we say a lot of shit. Tim is deathly serious about this. You can tell. <laughs> <laughs> this is this Jonathan is worrying. Just been to the Vatican. Like bad things happen there. Like we need to give Darcy a break. Two wrongs oh, don't make make a right, Tim. Fucking hell. Well, your, your accent nearly went Australian, then. <laughs> well, <laughs> someone who does give Darcy a break is Carl Kennedy. Because he gets up on stage and goes, listen, stop fucking doing that, you load of dickheads. I'm Carl fucking Kennedy. I'm the king of kings. I'm the king of doctors here. And I'm telling you that Darcy's fucking all right. He's worked really hard. Uh, and he's not shagging that patient anymore. And He's, he's off the show. Him. She's off the show. She's gone. We do get a small reference to her later on, which we'll talk about. Uh, but yeah, she's completely gone. He's like, listen, he's not shagging that patient anymore. He's just turned down a fucking nailed on shag as well. So this guy, he's a reformed character in my eyes. So I'll get fucking behind Darcy, all right? And the doctor's like, oh, okay, sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry about that, Carl. Um, and there we go. That's the, uh, that's the, that's the ball done. It, another great doctor's ball. Uh, I'm I can't sure. wait till next year's. Yeah, I can't wait until, well, I don't think they're yearly. They're just whenever the storyline is needed. And the doctors want a good old piss up and a shag. 
Yeah. And when they haven't come... <laughs> and when the old Tommy Tucker's uh, set isn't in use, that's when they can have a ball. Um, so, yeah, it'll be... It, it. There could be one again next week. It could be another 12 years. Who fucking knows? <laughs> 12 years. Not 12 months. <laughs> 12 years. 12 years. <laughs> But we will look forward to it. And no doubt cover it, I'm sure. G'day, this is Mark Rafferty, also known as Dr. Darcy Tyler on Neighbours. And you're listening to the award-winning Neighbourhood Rewatch podcast. Though I'd like to know what awards they won. They didn't tell me. Let's talk about Flick and Steph. The, their, their relationship has been very frosty for a while now. And it's still very frosty as we, we, as we find them. Uh, Toadie gives... Flick a pep talk saying, listen, you can't just fucking expect to walk back into to Steph's life here and everything be fine. You need to do a bit of fucking work here. Uh, and you need to mend all these fucking bridges that you've broken. Um, and those bridges start getting mended pretty quickly. She gets offered two jobs straight away. Uh, the hotel is like, uh, Mark's mum's like, you can have your fucking job back if you want. I know you were shagging my son, but you were pretty good. You were pretty good uh, concierge. So job's yours if you want it. And then she t- pops into the coffee shop and I was like, do you want your fucking job back? Because Penny's fucked off. She's uh, she's not showing dice anymore, so I need another waitress. And she's like, fuck, I don't know what to do. I've got I've got two job offers here. Um What would you what advice would you give? Because you've had two job offers on the table quite a few times that have involved people shagging. So um what do you think? Like have you what would you what was your advice? What would you do? Uh I think the hotel's the best bet for her. Okay. Uh like the coffee shop, you know, it's just regulars every day. So you you're gonna Empty the pool pretty quickly there. Whereas it's the, <laughs> the hotel is going to refill very often indeed. Uh, that Have you what... ever worked at a hotel? I haven't, no. What the fuck? Don't you miss an opportunity there? Yeah. Oh, the hours are fucking. You think something. Just room, empty rooms for banging in all over the place. Yeah, no, you think the hours I've worked before are bad. The hotels are fucking even worse. Uh, no, I've still way, stayed well clear of that. And. Um, don't worry, I'm just a big fish in a small pond. Don't worry. Big girth in a small pond. <laughs> there we go. I was going to say fat dick, but that'll do, yeah. <laughs> it's not fat. <laughs> I'm not having this conversation again. <laughs> I'm just fuming about all of this. That's not your penis, that's the oh, oh, I thought, oh, you were doing 1-1 one, one for the football score. Okay, okay. And I can do that with it as well, though, if it's wiggling. <laughs> cut all this out. Fucking hell. Fuck hell. You know it's bad if Tim say cut this out. <laughs> there, there are bad jokes and then there's just chaos. <laughs> <laughs> so Steph's naturally fuming about all of this. Because uh, she she hates, she pretty much resents the fact that Flick can just walk back into her old life. She's like, she fucking ruined mine. She fucks off to America. I was a bit of fun with Tad. And then just comes back and just fucking walks into her old life again uh, with no consequences at all. Uh, but then she overhears Flick telling Shell a story about how she used to idolise Steph. And it just just thaws the heart a little bit. Just enough to where later on she offers to buy her an orange juice. Uh, which is uh, not the olive branch. You would say the orange branch in this case. Uh Fucking hell. <laughs> I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and also, me and Adam talked about this on episode 97. Uh, 
Of course, there, there was the mystery of the motorbike on the drive, Tim. You you remember that. Yeah. Uh, we get a little answer here because Flick gets some jewellery. And she's like, oh, it's in that fucking cunt mark, isn't it? He sent me some jewellery. He also sent Steph that fucking bike as well. And you're like, oh, it all makes fucking sense now. It well, was. Said, that's what she says, but it's not confirmed. It, she, it's just, she basically says, he probably sent her that motorbike. We don't know for definite. No, I think the writers, as far as I'm concerned, that's a fact. They've wrote that in to go, yeah, that's a fact. He sent the motorbike as well because we couldn't wrap that story up in time. So They've just made their mind up and been like, yeah, let's just get rid of that. Maybe. Yeah. So they've tied it up in a nice little bow. Uh, on a little side note, Stu, who's kind of both involved with both these girls at the moment, uh, feeling a bit bad about himself because Flick's back and he's still got feelings for Flick. He's got feelings for Steph as well. Uh, he's really unsure what to do. So he decides to call the girl who we think is a stalker at this point that he pulled in the pub the other week. Uh, and she's pretty rude to Steph. Steph comes up and goes, all right, mate, how you doing, Steve? And he's like, yeah, I'm just having a drink with this girl. She's like, yeah, so fuck off, why don't you? <laughs> and Steph's like, all right, rude, but whatever. I'm just uh, I'm just passing by. See you later, Stu. She's like, yeah, get, get fucking walking, dickhead. She might as well just pissed all over him. <laughs> just fucking lifted a leg up. We're back to Tim's Valentine's Day, day again. Come on, let's just move on. <laughs> and then while he's in the pub, Flick comes in because she's getting a bottle of wine for the Scullies. And she's like, right, Stu. He's like, yeah, just having a date with this girl. And she's just kind of, oh, okay, fair enough. And just kind of looks over. I'm like, oh, fuck. I could have had Stu, but I didn't. I messed it up there. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I wanted it again. Uh, who do you think is going to... Is Stu going to go for either of them, any of them at this point? What's going to happen? I think he's going to put her around with this stalker for a little bit. Then he'll realise she's a stalker. And then by that time, he won't have a chance with either of them. Yeah, maybe. About the time, I imagine it'll just be off the show. Um, and it'll be completely unresolved. Um, let's talk about Lou. We've not talked about Lou for a little while. He's had a story kind of going through all these episodes, but never really enough to to put into a segment. So we'll give him a talk now. So he was selling the pub, for a bit of backstory here, uh, but the guy who was meant to buy it off him is pulled out. He's like, I don't want this pub. Sorry, mate. Uh, I've got a bit of a cash flow problem. And Lou's like, you're a fucking dickhead. Fuck you. Because <laughs> uh, he, he had he had he'd completely checked out of the pub at this point. He's like, no, I've sold the pub. I'm fucking retired now. I'm just going to go shag Rosie all the time now. Um, <laughs> I'm just catching you up on what was said on the episodes of Neighbours. <laughs> uh, so like, Lou's like, fucking hell, I've got to manage this shit all again now. Uh, and he's like, like, he's completely let it go over the last month or so. He's fucked off most of the staff as well because he's like, yeah, I need, a, I need a sack load of staff to make it look more profitable on paper. So I fucked a load of staff off. Now I'm fucking stuck with no fucking staff. Uh, so he's he's pulling fucking menus out of his ass left, right and centre. He's got lamb Thursday going on because uh, he's got some lamb that's defrosted and needs Well, he's got lamb every day. It's like a lamb. It's an all-lamb menu now. He's taken everything else off the menu because he's bought a load of cheap lamb, and the only thing you can eat at the pub now is lamb. And people <laughs> are going into the pub. This is the storyline. People are coming in and going, can I have spaghetti bolognese? And he'll, he'll go, lamb? And they'll say, well, no, can, what about fish and chips? Lamb, lamb and chips? He just keeps doing this to people because uh, he's just bought all this fucking lamb. 
He's got Harold, who's covering for about 10 of his regular staff. Harold can't serve alcohol in the pub. So, they, like, a bunch of rugby lads come in, and they're like, whoa, we'll have 10 pints of lager, please. And Harold goes, lemonade. It's just this <laughs> ridiculous thing that keeps happening. Um, At some point, he doesn't even sell them lemonade. He just sells them tap water. He says the best thing to have with lamb is water. <laughs> And Luke goes, I was like, at least give him a fucking soft drink. Come on, you're fucking killing me here. Yeah. Uh, and then lamb surprises on the menu as well. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I think Tony goes, what's lamb surprise? And he was like, surprise, it fucking tastes good, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, it's lamb with a side of lamb. Jay, <laughs> uh, so Lou needs to fucking offload this pub as quick as he can, because this he's ruining the reput- the good reputation of Lou's pub. Has, has anyone come in with any offers or anything like that for him? Uh, there was one guy uh, who's been knocking around. It was that guy who was playing cricket before. Yeah. Well, at first yeah. he was like, oh, can I come work? I can do some shifts. He's like, I can't afford to fucking pay you, mate. Uh, what's your name again? And he's like, doesn't matter. Do you want to talk about this guy or should we just move on to another storyline? No, let's just move on. Well, yeah, you can give his name. He say, it doesn't matter. I'm not important. Doesn't matter. Doesn't <laughs> matter. Uh, but then later, this this mysterious man does want to buy the pub. Oh yeah, he's he's like quite a big character in the show at the moment. He's like he's he's in quite a few of the storylines. He's obviously planning on sticking around for a while. He actually lives on the street as well. Do you want to talk about it? No, I don't think he's. Yeah, fucking leave it. Let's go. Let's move on. I think he's another Saxon, if I'm honest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which leaves us one more storyline to talk about. Uh, One more before this one. Is there? Would you say? Yeah, there's Delta Goodrum. I want to talk about Delta Goodrum. Oh fuck yeah, I did right. You're welcome. Styling it out as always. Oh, shit, yeah, no, I did actually write it down. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just here to make sure you know what you're fucking doing. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll talk about Delta Goodrum then before we move on to the last thing we're going to talk about. Uh, so, Delta Goodrum, uh, she was using the old Tommy Tucker set as well uh, as the, like, the makeshift church that she's doing, and she sings a little song, and you're like, oh, fucking hell, uh, this is a good little song. And you're like, wait a minute, isn't this Born to Try? And you're like, fuck, yeah, she's Born to Try. She's just writing Born to Try. As we speak, which is quite nice. Uh, but she, so last week or the week before, Michelle's bought Connor a tin whistle because, you know, Irish. Yeah. <laughs> and God, yeah, dickhead, play a tune. And it turns got, out he can fucking play it, though. Yeah, so he fucking goes. He, he goes full leprechaun on that shit. He does. <laughs> and he plays one of his favourite songs. And I think Doubtler overhears this. Uh, so she sends him a voice note singing his favourite little Irish song. Right, stop, you've missed a bit. Why is he playing this song and why does she hear him and why does she help him? Uh, pass on all those questions. <laughs> <laughs> too many episodes, that's what it was. It probably was. One too many. It's his mum's birthday who lives in Ireland. He hasn't seen her for ages. He wants to get her something really nice. His mum's favourite song is that one about Carrick Fergus. He can play it on the tin whistle, but he'd really like to sing it. He goes looking for um, a record in Lynn and Joe's record collection of said song. They don't have it. He then goes looking for a tape of it. Can't find one. Delta Goodrum hears all this, records him a tape slash voice note of said song and gives it to him. And he's like, fucking hell. This is well good. He then spots Delta Goodrum singing this song herself in the park, realises she's the one who gave him the tape. He thought it was Michelle. It wasn't. It was Delta Goodrum. Um, And then he thinks, what's better than an actual tape for a present for my mum on the phone? 
but me playing my Tim Whistle because Irish and Delta Goodrum singing the fucking song live. And that's what they do. Her mum fucking loves it. And from that, Connor decides he's going to be Delta Goodrum's manager in her rock star pop career. <laughs> he does. You missed all that, though. I did miss all of that. I don't remember any of that at all. <laughs> don't know what the fuck I was doing. When did you watch the episodes? It's for a little while back, uh, but still, though. Uh, yeah, so he just decided he's going to be a manager, and he's like, right, I'm going to give you a fresh look. Uh, you're going to be a sensation. Uh, so he, he's, he's a manager slash stylist, and he dresses her up possibly worse than Summer would have. Uh, Will he actually get Summer around to, like, say, what do you think of her, of the new look I've given Delta Goodrum? And Summer, true to form, says she looks like a fucking dickhead. <laughs> she does again summer gives it absolutely fucking straight uh yeah she does she looks like a really shit britney spears uh, i don't think connor is set out to be delta goodrum's manager if i'm perfectly honest uh, he's got all great intentions but uh again delta goodrum doesn't want she doesn't want to be managed she doesn't want to sing she likes writing songs but she doesn't want to perform she's too shy for that shit she's she very want- shy She's got a ponytail and a cardigan. <laughs> and she reads books with her finger and going across books. So you can't get more shy than that. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for reminding me of that story, Adam. Um, but we are just. You want to know why I reminded you of that story? Why? Because I don't want to talk about the next one. I know. We are just, we are just putting off the inevitable here. I've been putting this off. Like you just said then, you watched these episodes maybe like a week ago before you went to Italia. Um, I've watched them just as we started recording this podcast because I put it off and put it off. I've known for two weeks that I've had to watch these podcasts and I put it off till the very last second. Yeah. So uh, just to catch you up to speed, Tim, uh, Drew, who's not had a storyline for fucking months, uh, he's just been Libby's husband. And just in the background, uh, he's got a call from his dad. And his dad's invited him up to Oki. He's like, listen, I've got a load of horses. Do you want to be the horse manager? And Drew's like, mm, I'm not quite sure. I'll get Libby up, see what she says. And she's like, oh, I'm not quite sure either. Uh, but then uh, Drew's dad. Uh, Ron. Ron. I remember his name this time. Uh, he has an angina attack. And they're like, oh, fucking hell. This is dad's dream. And he's not well. He's you know, he's, he's, he's got angina. He's probably going to go in the next five years. So... This is his dream. We could we could help him live this out. Um, and they agonize over this situation quite a lot. And I think they kind of come to the decision as like, we do want to do this, but it's just not the right time. You've got a lot of shit going, going on exactly. back in the 80s, bro. Yeah. Ron has a chat with Libby and she's like, listen, my mum can't fucking remember anything at the moment. I can't just fuck off and leave. Like, I've got shit going on. It sounds great, but it's it's a no for just right now. Uh, but then Dougal shows up. We remember Dougal from the wedding, from Drew and Libby's wedding. That little typical Scottish little shit. Uh, there you go. He's there, but he's he's not little. He's fucking shot up, by the way. He he's about fucking... 35 now. <laughs> <laughs> he's been nailing that fucking haggis. Um, and he's there just to help convince Drew. He's like, oh, it's fucking great. This is fucking horses, countryside. You've got a big fucking house if you want it. There are at least 17 rooms in there. So... What's more to what's more to the want in life? And he's like, yeah, you might be right here. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, oh, and someone needs to break these horses in, you know. 
Uh, I'm not fucking great at that, but you'll be fucking great at it, Drew. You'll you'll get you'll catch on to it. No fucking problem. He's the horse whisperer. At one point, they call him the horse whisperer in this episode. Yeah, they do. They do make to say that Drew is really good with horses, but that horse over there, oh, it needs fucking breaking in that one really badly. It's it's quite mischievous that horse over there. It can cause some problems potentially down the line for you. So, Drew, you're the man to to tame that horse. And. Uh, Libby's convinced. She sees all this happening. She's like, yeah, this is this is what I want to do. Fuck my mum. Fuck my dad. My other, my other siblings are fucked off as well. So just let's just go live out in the countryside. That fucking house has got 18 bedrooms. So let's go live out there. Getting bigger uh, when you reference it. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew's like, yeah, let's fucking do it. They're Get fucking them, doing um, it. Let's, fu- let's that's fucking big. do That's it. That's a big step to leave Erinsborough. It really is. Uh, it really, really is. And they're like, oh, I can't. They're going to go live in the countryside. Brilliant. I'm so fucking happy for them. Ben's going to grow up in the countryside with his mum and his dad. What a happy ending. This is going to be fantastic. And Drew's like, should we go for a celebratory horse ride? I need to break that fucking horse in over there, you know? Adam's having a panic attack. Yeah. Um, uh, so they go, they go for a celebratory horse ride. Uh, Libby gets off, no problem. And Drew's like, oh, this one is fucking, this one is a bit fucking. You pick the mental horse. Why spend a bit of time with that horse in the future and get to know it and give it a pat and some sugar out of your hand and spend some time learning it, maybe just on a rope trotting around the paddock at first. Just do a little bit of that. Don't get on the fucking mental black horse for a celebratory, I'm moving to the countryside happily ever after with my wife and small child ride. Yeah, um, he picks he picks the wrong horse completely uh, because that that horse absolutely fucking chucks him off. Uh, Libby's about Libby just looks around and goes oh, and sees Drew just fucking get thrown off this horse and you're like fuck that's really bad. They play their little suspenseful piano thing. You're like, oh, fuck, Drew's, uh, Drew's had a bad fall here. This is not going to be good. He might have hurt himself here. Libby goes up to him. You see Drew on the floor. He's all fucking mangled up on the, like, face on the ground. And Libby's like, you're all right. And he's like, I'm fucked him, Libby. <laughs> I am absolutely fucked. He's at so much pains to state how fucked he is. He's like, listen, Libby, I'm going to be fucking straight with you. Best case scenario, Christopher Reeve. Honestly, like, I'm absolutely fucked here. Best case scenario here is brain dead can't walk. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Libby, and he's like, you need to go get some fucking help here. So Libby rides off on the horse, not the mental one, just the normal horse, and gets off and manages to get the ambulance. They come back. They're like, we're going to have to fucking airlift him here. He's he's, he's seriously fucked. And uh, so the air lift him off and he's like, he's, he's just about gets in that kind of gravelly voice. He's, just, he's on the air, isn't he? Yeah, At this stage, I'm hopeful, though, because, like, I, you know, people have these falls in real life and in other TV shows and soaps, and, yeah, they are injured. They are in a wheelchair for a bit. They might never walk again, all of which are terrible. And they, But you're going to have to carry this on. I can't even... <laughs> well, Drew Kirk is a fit and healthy man. You're like... You're... He's a he's a big strong boy. You're like, oh, he'll be you know a bit knocked up from this, but he should be all right here. Yeah? So the airlift into hospital, he manages to get some words out. He's like, tell Ben I'll be home soon enough, Levy. Don't worry. And she gives him a head kiss on the head. Um, 
Fucking hell. Well done for messing that up. Sometimes you stumble over your words. Fuck <laughs> me. Uh, so she's giving him head. Next. What, what? Wow. She gives him a kiss on the head uh, and he gets airlifted off. Uh, she brings Carl straight away. Carl's in the pub. Um, and she's like, listen, he's fucked here, mate. Like, you need to go <laughs> right, right fucking now. And Carl's like, right, no, I'm coming straight away, straight away. Gets on the first plane. Susan's there as well. Uh, Steph and Stu show up as well. They're like, we're fucking, we're coming. This is like, Stu's fucked here. We're, we're coming. We want to be around him. He's our bezel mate. Uh, they don't really explain what's wrong. The doctor comes out and speaks to Carl. Carl's, again, because he's the doctor, everyone explains stuff to Carl. Then Carl has to dumb it down for everyone else. And the car, I think they mentioned something about the spleen. They're like, Is yeah. that internal bleeding? I think yeah. there was some sort of like a ruptured spleen or something. He's fucked internally. And But yeah. Carl comes over and goes, probably going to be fine. He's in yeah. the best place. Um, he does say he's like, he's a big, fit, strong lad. He'll be yeah. fine. And we've got a specialist coming in. So don't worry. He'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. Fucking hell! Thank fuck for that. That's what a fucking worry. Ne- literally, next scene, he's dead. He's fucking like <laughs> literally next scene. We cut to the next scene. The doctor speaking to Carl, and he just goes, "Fucking dead." Next <laughs> he does. The doctor does. He just he comes out. There's not like a speech, a long story. We tried to do this, but this happened. Complications. He comes out and goes, "Oh, comedy shrug." <laughs> And everyone's kind of like, I almost don't know if they told them at this stage. Because everyone goes, what? What? Yeah, like, like everyone acts the socks off in this. I do think, like, in, in the scenes following, they've got the people who can fucking act in this. Yeah. They've got the people who can show, who can show ranges of emotions. Because uh, Carl's fucking brilliant in this. Because uh, he, he's going to have to fucking tell his daughter this. Libby Kim Valentine breaks down. Does gone? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely gone. Like, I don't, I, I don't think you could act that scene any better than she did. Uh, Stu's fucking Steph, absolutely distraught. Susan does brilliant as well. Because, yeah, because she's playing this as a sixteen-year-old that forget who doesn't really know Drew. Yeah, she's Good. clearly fucking upset about it, but still confused about it, and like she plays it really fucking well. Uh, it's just heartbreaking all around. Because uh, it comes out of nowhere, though. Comes... Like I said, like people fall off things or get injured in cat. We've done it on here. We've made jokes about it. And everyone's always fine. And I re- this took me back to when I saw it the first time and I was like, well, n- well no. He'll he'll do he'll he'll be alright in a minute. He'll 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 be fine. Like he'll oh, they think he's dead, and then it'll start beeping again. No, and it doesn't. And they give you no time to take this in as well. There's no time to breathe in this because the neighbors does something here that it never does. They literally fast forward a couple of days. Time, time jump. You go, yeah. You go from that scene to a next couple of days later, and it's uh, Harold and Lou and Rosie, and they're all packed and like, yep, yeah, we're off to Drew's funeral, and. Uh, yeah, just and you're like, fuck, he is fucking dead. There's, you can't get. I couldn't get my like. Yeah, it, get my bearings. I was like, oh fucking, now we do it. It all happens very, very quickly indeed. Right, can, can I ask you both then? Do you think this was neighbors? Not like this person's done for whatever reason. So let's just get rid. 
and they accidentally fucking nailed it? Or do you think they actually meant it to be this really, really disconcerting, confusing... Basically, do you think they intended to nail it the way they did? Because it sounds like a very unusual, not only not only for neighbours, but just anyway, a really weird way of doing that that kind of a an exit. I I don't know. Um, I but what I what I was thinking when I was because I have only just watched it, so I am I am a bit raw with it. But um, it, I would put this along with you know. In any TV show, when someone like a main character dies and you're not ready for it or not expecting it and things like that, like there's been like we can we can have a little chat about some of those. Like one of them, like in Game of Thrones, Tim, you won't be able to comment on this. Um, spoiler alert: Sean Bean dies and he's like the one of the main characters, if not the main character. And you think, whoa, well, he can't die? What's you think they're safe? You think, yeah. and you're doing the show with them. They're the the mate. They're the protagonist for the show. Like you're going on this journey with them. They can't die. And I think I said it in the last in our last episode. Like I wasn't looking forward to it because I feel like Drew came on the show more or less similar time to us starting this podcast. Yeah, pretty much. He wasn't long after. Yeah. And when you like. When you watch something like a soap and it's five days a week, just five episodes, like you wouldn't want to watch more. Like you spend a lot of time with these people. And like you said, he's not even been in a big storyline. It's not like he was in a storyline where he was going to get fucked up at some point. He's been a presence though. He's always been there. He's always there, but he's He's just there. Like he wasn't like he was in a storyline with Steph and they'd done a bank robbery and he might get shot. This was just, he'd just been... It, I think it was one of them where you just think, well, Drew can't die. Yeah. But, fuck, he has, because we're at the funeral. Rosie's doing the spe- speech for it, which annoyed me, because she, she doesn't deserve to do Drew's funeral, if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, he's having he's having views on funerals again. I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I just want to state, this is not a funeral special at all. Uh, this is far from it. Uh, Carl speaks and does a great little speech about what a great, you know, how he was a, a son to them. Uh, this is the fucking worst bit. Libby fucking sings. This was like, no, Tim. This was this was. I'd gone here. Yeah, she's... no, I was. I was the same as well. I was like, fucking hell, like she I can't sings the song from their wedding, Go Lassie Go, but she does Go Laddie Go. I mean, some people might think, like, singing at an occasion like that, a bit egotistical, a bit self-indulgent, maybe. <laughs> it's like a bit of a cunt. But for this, <laughs> I was just like, oh, God, she's singing the song. And they do, like, a kind of, what is it, like a montage kind of thing of her singing the song, but of Drew singing it during the wedding in his kilt and suit and everything. And she struggles to get through it. Harold helps her out with the words and she gets through it. But it's horrible. Yeah, it's it's really fucking and horrible. And there's not a dry eye in the church. No, there's not. Libby falters a little bit because obviously she's singing at her husband's funeral. And it's it's fucking horrible. So Harold, as he always does, he literally just it. said that. Well done. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just <laughs> gets his horn out. 
<laughs> and just yeah, and just helps out and sings and and picks up where Libby can't quite finish off there. Uh yeah, and that's it. He's he's gone. And uh, next scene is 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 Ron and Libby talking outside, and Ron's like, fuck. Like, I shouldn't have brought him up here. Uh this was my dream, but it's all gone to shit now. I can't go on with this. Like, well, how the fuck am I going to carry on with all this? And Libby's like, you need to, because that's what life's about. She tells him a story about, like, the morning he woke up, it was, like, 5 a.m., and he was so fucking happy. And, yeah, this is fucking horrible as well. <laughs> it's, like, he's so fucking happy. And he was he was dragging Libby out of bed, going, come on, we're going to start a new day, and we're going to start our new lives. And, yeah, it's just, she's like, you have to continue for, for Drew's sake. And but, you know what? There was a point during this last episode when I thought he was on this journey with us while we did this podcast. Is this a good time to maybe knock the podcast on the head? (laughs) A bit like Ron. A bit like Ron. I was like, you know what? Is this this the end of the story? And then Libby says to Ron, well, no, you've got to keep going. Otherwise, what's the fucking point? Yeah, and I will say the exact same thing to you right now. We've got to keep going on now because episode ninety-eight. If we give it up, what's the fucking point? Uh, we've come, we've not come this far to only come this far, because uh, of course we are on the road to one hundred. But I am struggling a little bit. How are we gonna? Carry I mean, from here, uh, lo- I don't, I don't quite know how we're gonna carry on. If I'm honest, I feel like. Like, there's people you can talk to about things like this, isn't there? Like, you can do, like, therapists or you can talk to people. Yeah. It's like, hard, though. I don't I don't, know, I don't really know if I feel, like, up to it, to be honest. No, like, talking to you, to, like, you two have helped me through some very tough times in my life. But I feel like we need to speak to someone who's maybe a professional at this point. Someone to help us make sense of it all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but do you know what? I think I might have the right guy, you know? Hi, guys. I'd love to help out. Uh, and I'd love to have a chat. I'm actually really looking forward to it. I can't remember how I died. I mean, I knew I fell off a horse, but it could be a, a trip down memory lane or um, or a complete uh, blackout. No, it's 20 years ago. <laughs> so, we'll, yeah, we'll give it a go. 